Victory Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Second in Victory Podcast. My name is Austin Nelson. Um, thank you again for joining us tonight. Um, before we get started, stop what you're doing, pause the podcast, and make sure you go follow us on Twitter at Second in Victory. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast as well and uh, tell your friends and tell their friends. Um, this podcast is brought to you by Broadway Sports Media and powered by 440 Sports Network. Um, make sure you go check out broadwaysportsmedia.com for all your latest Titans news. I know right now Mike Herndon is there at training camp. He got a credential. Shout out Mike. And uh, he is there every single day uh, posting videos and whatnot and having some really good articles there at broadwaysportsmedia.com. So go check that out as well as your latest Nashville SC and your Preds news. Um, it is just Chris and I tonight. What's going on, Chris? How's it going? Good, man. I know Brett, our buddy Brett. So, for that, I mean, everybody who listens to the podcast, Brett is our third co-host. But Brett actually just moved to Nashville. Um, he got a job at 104.5 The Zone. We are super pumped for him. And The Zone is having the zone at night at the Nashville Sounds game. So, he had to be there for that. And uh, he hated that he had to miss this because we have a really good guest tonight. Uh, Chris, I'm, I'm super excited about this. Um, did you, you watch – this guy play back in the day, correct? Oh, yeah, for sure. 100%. When I was little, I mean, I've been a season ticket holder since 99. I've been to almost every game imaginable. And I was little, but I remember watching this guy out there uh, play. But we are joined by the one and only Mr. Denard Walker. How are you, sir? Man, I'm doing great, man. Thanks for that intro. You know, I haven't heard that much praise in a long time, so appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely. No, we, just, we, uh, we appreciate you taking some time to, to, to talk to us. Denard is actually um, – with us on behalf of the Believe in Titans uh, podcast from the Believe Network. Um, Denard, you spent nine seasons in the league as a defensive back, uh, went from, you know, the LSU. Yes. Uh, Denard was selected by the Tennessee Oilers in the 97 draft, uh, played for both the Oilers and Titans for four seasons, uh, including that Super Bowl run in 99. And you played with the, help me if I'm wrong, the Broncos, Vikings, yes. and Raiders? Well, I played for the Broncos. I don't remember the last two organizations. I've been trying to forget <laughs> about those two, uh, but I did play in Minnesota for a year then, and and then I, you know, I had the privilege of going to Oakland for two years. So awesome. it's all about the experience. Very cool, and you know, build to build those relationships and, and those stories that you can now tell, you know, for years and years to come. Um, you now live in Texas, is that correct? Yes, I live in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Okay. Um, basically, I went back home after you know, left for about 15 years from college to professional ranks. And I just decided to move back to Texas. Awesome. So you're originally from Texas? Yes. That's from Garland, okay. Texas. Gotcha. Very cool. Very cool. Well, again, we appreciate you joining us tonight. Um, so Chris, you want to kind of start us off? Yeah, I want to hop right into it here, Denard. Um, you know, Austin was mentioning how you played collegiately at LSU and uh, we we have another LSU pro product on the team right now, a uh, guy by the name of Christian Fulton. Yeah. Uh, love to hear your your thoughts on on him as he competes for a starting role and how he was a stud at LSU. How can that translate to the to the NFL field? Well, you know what, you know this was this year. This is my breakout player. Um, I want to see the jump from last year. You know, he dealt with some injuries and unfortunately COVID. Uh, which hit a lot of guys last year. And so we really didn't see him much and you didn't see that production, but this year, you know, because Malcolm's gone now and then a Dory's again, he's in New York. 
and you draft the rookie Caleb Farley, you bring in a vet like Janoris Jenkins, you know, you got three studs back there that can play. And so this year, there's going to be a lot on the uh, plate for Christian because when you drafted that high, a team basically is bringing you in to play right away. So I'm, I want to see him. I, I, you know, one thing I love about Christian is his mindset. He's very mentally strong. And one thing you have to have, I think, to play in this league, you got to be mentally strong because you're going to give up some plays. You're going to get beat sometimes. That's going to happen. That's inevitable. But it's how you respond. And the way that he played at LSU, what I loved about him is he kind of took a what I call like a backseat to Daryl Stingley Jr. And everybody was kind of pubbing him up. But when you watch LSU, you will see Christian. He was the one being picked on, but you will see him being the one that was responding, you know. And he basically took the battle on. And that's what I love about uh, a guy like Christian Fulton is he brings a certain mentality to that defense. So that's what I want to see this year in his second year. I want to see him play. Uh, the way that he played at LSU. And I believe that that mental part is going to translate this year because he knows that uh, I think the position is his to lose this year. Denard, I want to stay on that side of the ball. Um, we know that the Titans offense is one of the you know top ones in the league, uh, but it's a defense in 2020 that kind of held them back from, from being more than just a wild card team. Um, they revamped the defense in some ways this season um, to you and your, in your, opinion who is the most important piece on that Titans defense for them to be successful in 2021 well it takes everyone you know sure. I know last year a lot of people um even us me and Davey we kept talking about the lack of a pass rush you know that is so essential for a defense you know I, I remember the first two years that I played here in 97 and 98 I mean you really had to cover for a long time and then when they drafted Javon in 1999, I mean, he really galvanized that defense. So what Javon did for us in 1999, that's what I'm anticipating Bud Dupree bringing to the table this year. And I think when you bring that leadership and you bring that savvy to that defense, you know, and I, I'm telling you, I, I think this is going to be the missing piece. I know last year, Javion, that situation didn't pan out. But I believe Bud Dupree, who's one of the young up-and-coming uh, talented defensive players in the league. I think he might be the missing piece to that defense being a top 10, heck, maybe even a top five defense in the league this year. Anything is better than what they were last year. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a massive improvement. <laughs> I've said it before, you know, if they can just go from there, you know, I think they're in the 25 to 32 range last year in defense. If they could just kind of get to the middle of the pack uh, and the offense can kind of stay where they're at. I mean, the sky's the limit at that point. And don't forget about Danico Autry now, Very you know, true, with yeah. his presence. And I love that. You know, they knew uh, coming into this year, they really needed to uh, bring a different element to that defensive line. It, it's, it's almost identical to the team that I played with in 1999. Uh, we didn't have much of a pass rush for two years. And then all of a sudden, you bring in the freak with Javon. And then all of a sudden, he basically – uh, really just brings everybody else's game up. You know, he just took it to a new level. And when you have that kind of a pass rush on the edge, it makes it so much easier for you on the perimeters to cover. And I think that's what Bud's going to bring. And I, and I truly, and I've all, I'll say this, is when you have a dominant defensive end, 
or you have some dominant edge rushers that makes your secondary look really good. Yeah. And when you got a young secondary this year, which a lot of people are anticipating, Caleb probably winning that position. I'm not saying it's going to be given to him because they bring in Janoris and Janoris has been in this league for a decade and he's not here for insurance, like an insurance policy. He's coming in here to start and play. But then you think about the new additions from Elijah Moulton, who can play any position on the field. I mean, they have all the pieces on the defense to be great. But that one guy that I really think that can ignite this unit would be Bud Dupree. And then secondly, Danico Autry. And I think when they get a pass rush, it makes it so much easier in the back end to cover. So Austin, Austin and I are both MTSU grads, so we're massive Kevin Byard fans. Yeah. Um, big fan of his. Obviously, he had a down year last year. What did you see from him on the field last year, and and how can the additions of Danico Autry and, and Bud Dupree and even, you know, another year with Jeffrey Simmons growing and, and getting better, how can that affect uh, Kevin Byard's game and, and get him back to being one of the top safeties in the league? It can make it easier. You know, sometimes that free safety position, it's hard because you have to be accountable for not only the back half, but you have to communicate with the, the linebackers. And then all of a sudden you got to, sometimes you got to help get the front together. I mean, that's really the quarterback other than the linebacker. That's the quarterback of the defense. You know, I've, I've always said the linebacker is the ver a version of like the center and the free safety is the quarterback. And last year, you know, I, I love this player. I, I think he's underrated. He's a Pro Bowl safety, number one. But I think this year, with the additions to those young guys coming in, you know, with Elijah, Caleb, and then you bringing in Janoris, he's got to really step up his game this year because people are going to be going to be looking at him as being that leader. He's already the leader of the pack. But I think as he plays, as he goes, the secondary will go. And I, I love this player. You know, he's so underrated coming out of college, MTSU. He showed you it doesn't matter where you come from. Give, give a young man a chance. He can succeed in this league. And I just I think he's going to really step up his game because when you look at the secondary, other than Janoris, it's a bunch of young, unproven players. So you need that veteran leadership this year, especially out of KB. I like to call him. We call him with the marshal. That's what me and Davey always refer to him. I like it. I like, I like it too. It. Yeah, the Just mayor of Murfreesboro. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love. Hey, I love MTSU. By the way, man, well, I had a chance that. to spend a lot of time down there. So, and you guys got a really great program out there. We do. It's fun. It's it's, it's a it's a smaller program. Obviously, we play in the Commerce USA now. But uh, you know, when we uh, when I was in school, I went from 2013 to twenty seventeen. We had some good years. Yeah, uh, won a couple bowl games and whatnot. But um, yeah, it's 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 a fun little fun little program. Um, all right, I want to switch on the other side of the ball real quick, Denard, and talk okay. about the offense because, I mean, it is such a high-potent offense. Um, but I don't want to talk about the, the Derrick Henrys, the Julio Jones, the right. AJ Browns right now. There's a guy that I know you're very high on, um, Anthony Ferkser. Yeah. He's a guy that's kind of been under the radar the last several seasons behind um, Delaney Walker, behind Jonu Smith. But it's his year to shine now, and I'm very happy the Titans kind of gave him his shot and, and didn't go elsewhere for a tight end. I know that was a big – um, conversation the offseason that the, the the tight end room wasn't deep enough but you know I think Ferkser has earned his shot so what do you expect his impact to be in 2021 and it, you know what's the most important asset that he has to bring to the offense for it to for him to succeed the offense to succeed consistency sure. you know he brought that last year you know when Johnu went out that's you know Anthony stepped in I thought he played great last year um 
he's from Harvard and he's a Jersey guy, first of all. So, you know, he brings that toughness and he's smart. He's a Harvard graduate. And last year watching him, it, it was amazing because when you lose a big piece of your offense, like John Newfolo, but he was a little banged up. You saw a lot of production out of Anthony Ferkshire last year and Jeff Swain, you know, the Texas Longhorn. And let me tell you something. The reason that he was invited to that great class of tight ends camp that they had recently in Nashville is because a lot of the top tight ends like Travis Kelsey, uh, Kittle, who's a monster in San Francisco, they see what I see in Anthony Ferkser and they see a world of potential. You have to be an elite tight end to, to have been invited to that camp. They didn't invite him just to invite him. They invited him because they see the potential. He has a potential to be great. You talk about a player that was undrafted, you know, years ago out of Harvard, goes to Kansas City, gets released to Jets, you know, got released to Titans, pick him up. And now he's a starter in the National Football League and he has a chance to do something great. And I think this is a big year for him because I think he's settled in the offense. I think, and think about it, your offensive coordinator was your tight end, was your position coach. So there's some familiarity that he has a, a relationship, a rapport with Todd Downing. So it's a perfect situation for him to succeed in 2021. And me and Davey was talking about this year, who, who, at least in my opinion, Davey was like, who's your breakout player? I said, Anthony Ferkser. He will be the difference maker this year because if the Titans didn't think he, he can do it, they would have paid John New or at least tried to work out a deal to keep him in Tennessee. I totally agree. I'm excited for Anthony. I think uh, I think he brings a, a, a bit of dynamic uh, talent to the team that, you know, I've, I've said at the end of the year, he was practically tied in one uh, with John who doing so much blocking and that sort of thing. So uh, to, to see him, you know, get a full offseason as the starter, I'm, I'm super excited about that. On that same side of the ball, though, uh, you know, alongside Anthony, this team also has A.J. Brown and Julio and Derrick Henry with, you know, Ryan Tannehill throwing the ball. How, how will how do you anticipate defenses, uh, you know, stacking up against against that type of offense? Well, I tell you what, if I was a defensive back and I had to play these guys, I would be terrified. And I'm usually not scared <laughs> of, you know, receivers. But I mean, think about you got a first ballot Hall of Famer right now in Julio Jones. He, he's been that productive over the last what going into his 11th year now. And then you're talking about the up and coming star in AJ. I mean, right. Yeah. I don't know what these guys like AJ and DK Metcalf, they have this chip on their shoulders. Maybe they should have been first round draft picks, but it's like they're making DBs pay for it. Mm -hmm. And you know what you're going to get out of AJ. You're going to get all heart. I mean, last year, he should, what he's, he said that he, uh, should have had both knees uh, operated on it. And this is during the season. And he played through that. Yeah. What kind of player, I don't know any player that his knees are all messed up, that can be that productive. But then to know that you could have easily uh, just set out, you know, and called it up, but he played through that. And that's hard. That's grit. And you, mm -hmm. that's what you get out of him. He's, he's, a, he's like a running back playing receiver. Because you see defensive backs basically bouncing off of him. He's that strong. And then Julio, we know what we're going to get. 
But on that offensive side, the X factor this year is my man from Texas A&M and the former Charger, Josh, I mean, I'm sorry, the Ram, Josh Reynolds. And he's going to be the key because you're going to see teams, they're going to double team AJ and Julio. And it's going to leave one-on-one matches uh, with Josh and probably the nickelback or the dimeback, however teams uh, choose to defend this offense. And he's going to be the one that's going to have to make some big plays in 2021 for this team to be successful. Denard, do you think if uh, you play today and you had the Titans in your upcoming game, would you take that NBA approach and do the load management for a game? No. <laughs> <laughs> sit out. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I would sit out. <laughs> <laughs> load management, just sit one game and, and, and yeah. take, a, take, a, take a rest. Like, yeah. So who are you going to cover? That, that's, the, exactly. that's the game you tweet your hamstring yeah. a little bit, right? And it is, exactly. Yeah, I, you know what? Tight. I started doing that the later part of my year, tweaking my hamstring when it wasn't tweaked, but that's another story. That's funny. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm excited for Josh, too. I have a, I have a good friend of mine who, who's very close to Josh, so when he um, signed here, he, he called me, hey, man, you're getting Josh Reynolds. And I was like, okay, it's a good signing. At the time, uh, Corey Davis, is, the, the situation was in limbo. Um, there was no Julio. Didn't know who was going to be drafted. But I think now, going going off that, um, this wide receiver's room is deep. Uh, with with Josh, um, he's got a chip on his shoulder. Des, Patrick, uh, Des Fitzpatrick is yeah. a rookie. Guys behind that, Chester Rogers. Um, and the list goes on and on. So I'm very Marcus excited Johnson. about that. Marcus Johnson. The list goes on and on. Um, watching these training camp videos right now, those guys fighting for a spot, even for special teams. Um, I'm excited to kind of see what that what happens there and, and kind of get to watch them in preseason at least. So um, that's going to be exciting. Um, this is kind of a, a very broad question, Denard, but I want to kind of get your thoughts on it. Um, what constitutes a successful season for the Titans? Is it a div- division title, t- another title game period, Super Bowl run? I mean, all the above. What, I mean, what do you think? It's all about chemistry and it's about continuity. Sure. If you have if you have chemistry among the say 53 or the 58 guys that is on your roster, that's half of the battle. You have to stay healthy. You know, I've, your health is your wealth in this league. If you don't, if you're not healthy, you really don't stand a chance. I mean, look at what's going on down in Indy right now, losing your quarterback. So he's out somewhere between the first part of the season. And then you're talking about they lose their um, one of their top guards in the league as well. So when you're losing players, that's not good. You want your key players. Last year, the Titans, again, it's all about the chemistry. It's, it's putting it together because you can, you can put 53 guys together, plus your, say, five or 10 or however they're doing the practice squad this year. If there's no chemistry that's developing uh, between those players, then you don't stand a chance to win in, in this league because there's no disparity between all 32 teams. Everybody's even. So what you want is to make sure during training camp and what training camp really is for, is just basically everybody gelling together, getting on one page for that first game against Arizona. Everything that they're doing now is gearing towards Arizona. The preseason is just getting ready for DeAndre Hopkins, Colin Murray, J.J. Watts, and those guys coming to town. And then when you have really good chemistry, you develop continuity. And when you have continuity, you, you, saw, the, you saw continuity among the offensive line last year. That's why you have the reigning NFL rushing MVP. And Derek, it's because of a great line, guys basically feeding off of one another. And when you have that, then that's where success 
you know, it, you know, that's where you develop success. We saw that in Tampa Bay last year. They they started off kind of it was iffy, abysmal at some time. We didn't we didn't see what we saw at the last. We didn't see in the beginning what we saw at the ending with that Tampa Bay team. But over time, they got better. They developed that chemistry. They had continuity. Yeah. Guys were healthy. They were gelling. They were on the same page. And it ended. It culminated into a Super Bowl. And that's the same thing that can happen for Tennessee because they have all the pieces in place for this team to be playing in Inglewood, California uh, in 2021. I think they they are the team, at least in my opinion, that can represent the AFC this year in the Super Bowl. That fired me up. I got chills. I yeah, know, man. I, hope so. I just believe, I'm not just saying I that because so. I played. I'm, I'm serious. They have all the yeah. pieces in place. So there is a lot of talk about one one piece that's not in place, and that's the kicking game. Uh-oh. Uh, we, we know, I think, what, what is it? Over the last three seasons, the Titans have had nine kickers or something like that on the roster. It's a it's an insane number. Mm. Um, how do you see things shaking out there? You, you know, they brought in uh, Tucker McCann's obviously already there, but they brought in Sam Ficken this week. Um, what do you see shaking out there? Is Guskowski coming back down the road? Like, what, what are your thoughts? Well, that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, if I, you know, I love Steven Kostowski because he he's a vet. And yeah. you saw last year, I, I know it was up and down, but you saw when that team really needed him to step up in some pivotal times, he did. I know sometimes it was kind of like, okay, uh-oh, what's going to happen next? But I love Steven Kostowski. Tucker McCann's, he's got a great leg out of the University of Missouri. He's young, he's vibrant, but you don't know. And that's the hardest thing about judging kickers. You just don't know what you're going to get out of the kickers, especially in Tennessee, because it's almost like when they come here, you know, something happens. There's like a dark cloud over the kicking game. So, <laughs> I, I, you know what? I'll leave kickers alone. I'll let, yeah. you know, when kickers are the, practicing, they're doing their own thing. I don't even talk to kickers. I, you know what? I play with Al Del Greco <laughs> and somewhere between 30 minutes in practice, he's working on his golf swing. So I don't know what goes <laughs> on hilarious. in those guys' mind. Yeah. And it's, you know, the, the translation from college to the NFL is wild with kickers. Cause I mean, you know, just a few years ago, we saw a second round pick flame out practically yeah. immediately at kicker. Yeah. And then, and then we see undrafted guys, uh, you know, being the best kickers in the league at points. So uh, the kick, the kicking game is just a wild aspect of the NFL. And they bring in James Woolhoyt to come help and coach the kickers. So hopefully yeah. he has some effect to help. Yeah. And he, he was, you know, he, he got that job after kind of talking Tweeting. some smack last <laughs> yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. Which is super interesting. Um, all right. Somebody else I want to talk about who's having a really good camp from everything I've read is Tier Tart. Uh, yeah. Denard. And that's like, I mean, that's a, a a line right now that is going to be very pivotal for next season um, in the uh, the pass rush department. So tier tart, you're going to have guys like, uh, like you said, Autry Simmons. Um, what does that group need to do to, to, just to help this defense out? You know, just, just step up your game every year. You know, Rod Woodson used to say all the time that you have to continue to evolve in this league, or if you stay stagnant, you're out. And that's at any position because you can always be replaced. There's always a draft every year that we look forward to. And every year, the, the thing about the great players is they're never satisfied. Good players, if they get satisfied, they stay stagnant, they're out of the door. We've seen that time and time again. So 
What you want to do is to make sure you evolving as a player. And because if you, if you're evolving as a player, a lot of times that can galvanize the guys next to you. And when you have that and you have that energy, it galvanizes that unit. And when you have that, that just that unit gelling and playing together and saying, listen, we want to be the best, then it makes your team better. And in this league, if you want to sustain a career uh, in the National Football League, you have to bring a new element each year as a coach and a player. If not, you're gone. That's just the way it works. So with Tierra Tart this year, he was that guy last year that really, when he when he was brought in, you saw him make some big plays. And then sometimes he can be, you know, he can jump off sides. I think it was one game last year. He jumped offside and then just ran off the field. And that's that's typical of a young guy. But you see the talent. And, and not to mention, Lorel Merchinson, that's a player that I'm very high on out of North Carolina. Him. Yeah, he's just yeah. raw. And that's the thing about young guys. They're raw, but a lot of times they're talented. But you got to make sure you have the right coach coaching them to get the best out of them. Because sometimes with young players, you just don't know what's in their what's going on in their mind. And this game is 90% mental. And when you bring that mental part of the game, uh, to the field, you know, that's really where you start having success. You know, I, disparity doesn't exist in the National Football League. I don't care how bad a team looks. I don't care how young. It's just who has that mental makeup. And that's what we need to see out of Tier is to bring that mental makeup every year. We need to see him elevate his game. If he elevates his game this year, you're talking about Bud, Danico, you know, Harold Landry, we haven't talked about. This can be an elite unit. And it can be scary what they can do. One guy, as I alluded to earlier about Javon Curse igniting the 10 other guys on the field, one guy, his presence alone can make a defense go from 31st to a top 10 defense just like that. I think Vrabel mentioned that he just – Tier just looks physically different. He just looks yeah. bigger. He, yeah. looks, he looks in shape. And I think and, he got the – with the offseason award, whatever, you know, they give that out yeah. every, every single year. So, um, you're right, though. He's got the physicality. And, just bring the mental now. And the thing about Tier Tart is, is this is a guy, I think, that just had maturity issues, right? Mm-hmm. When he was a JUCO uh, football player, he had, a, he had an offer from Alabama like that, that ended up being pulled because of some, you know, some issues that he had. But – this is a guy that has all the talent and, you know, is the, could potentially become a diamond in the rough for, for John Robinson and, and his staff. So, um, but, you know, playing alongside a, a guy like Jeffrey Simmons, uh, you know, those type of players can help elevate his game. Do you, do you see an all pro level uh, season from Jeffrey Simmons? All pro. I think he has a chance to be all world. When he comes to dominate, we saw him, absolutely dominate offensive lines last year what we're looking for from this interior jeffrey uh you talk about laurel we talk about tier you want consistency we don't want you know two weeks of good play and then take one week off we don't want um to have a couple good games and then all of a sudden like cincinnati last year you go down there a game that you were supposed to win you know, with a team that was young, had an inexperienced quarterback, but with LSU, but you, you didn't see that. 
And when you get consistency, and that starts with the veterans, that's their job is to bring up those players like Tier and Laurel. It's it, when this team decides to take on that persona of we can be the best in the league, then I, I promise you this defense, they have a chance to do great things because everything in this league starts up front. If your front is not playing well, you don't stand a chance. I don't care how good your back half. And then not to mention, if you look at the Titans back half, it's going to be a lot of youth. We know Armani's probably going to step in at that strong safety position in the absence of Kenny Vaccaro. But th you thought, think about it, was his third year in the league now? And so he's still young. He's still growing. So you got a young secondary. You have a very experienced linebacker in core. But what you want to do is make sure that every game, all 17 games this year, everything is decided by your front. I, I, when I played, I had, I had a chance to see in two years, I went 16 and 16, 1997 and 1998. We didn't have the strongest defensive front. The last two years of my career playing for the Titans, we went 26 and six. And I attribute that to our defensive line, to the, to the big homie Josh Evan, may rest in peace, to guys like Jason Fisk, Javon, Kenny Holmes, they set the tempo. They were the ones, not, us, not our secondary. And we had a great secondary. We finished number one in the National Football League in 2000. But it was because of the front. And so if the interior, the defensive line steps up and play big this year, Watch out. I'm telling you, this is where it starts. This can be a great team. I think so, too. The Tennessee Tyrants. That, the right Tyrants. Here. The Tyrants. Uh, again, we're joined by uh, Denard Walker with the Believe in Titans podcast, former Tennessee Titan. You can get him on Twitter at Denard underscore Walker and get his podcast at Believe Titans, B-L-E-A-V Titans. Um, all right, I do want to ask you this question, though. Just, you know, I'm curious. Denard, I'm getting the chance to talk to you. I want to, I want to kind of pick your brain a little bit. Um, you played D-back for, for many years in the league. The best wide receiver you ever played against was who? All of them. There's no – there's <laughs> not one guy. You know what? If you take one guy lightly in this league, that's the guy that ends up schooling you. Yeah. They're all great. I played against T.O., I played against Jerry Rice. Uh, let me see. Randy Moss. I was, was going to say. Yeah. I had a great game in 98 against Moss. But it's always that player that you take lightly on Sunday or Monday or Thursday. That's the player that ends up schooling you. I had the distinct pleasure of playing with the player that I, I feel like should be in the Hall of Fame. And that's Derek Mason along with Isaac Berg. Derek was a fourth rounder that they tried to trade and couldn't, who basically had one of the best careers, the all-time leading receiver for Baltimore, and Isaac Berg, the Birdman out of Kansas, undrafted, nobody gave a chance, and he ends up coming, in, coming to Tennessee and basically lit it up. I mean, just a great player, an undrafted free agent out of Kansas. So it's, it's all about taking – there's not one player better than the other. It's just who shows up on Sundays. So, so with that, uh, I know, I know it's, it is difficult to answer the best player, but we have a situation in, in Tennessee right now, obviously with two great wide receivers in AJ Brown and Julio, who do you think is the best 
wide receiver duo uh, in maybe in NFL history. Uh, I know you obviously played against one great one in, in Isaac Bruce and uh, Torrey Holt, but who do you think uh, who do you think that AJ Brown and and Julio have to pass uh, to become the best duo at wide receiver? Oh, that's easy. <laughs> Stallworth and Swan. People forget, you know what? I'm so tired of people forgetting about the players in the 70s. You know, when I was a kid, it was all about the Steelers. Stallworth and Swan, the great Lynn Swan and Johnson, both Hall of Famers. You know, I love that combo. I grew up in Dallas watching the Steelers and the Cowboys as a kid. And I love Lynn Swan, the greatest player when when the show is the biggest. He would stand out. And that's that's the greatest combo for me, at least in my opinion, Stallworth and Swan. So yeah, if they want to uh, be considered two of the great uh, duo, yeah, you have to surpass those two for at least for me. I think you're right. That's I a great a lot, answer. Yeah, a lot of us in, in my generation, at least, we're, we're prisoners of the moment. Right, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. We are, <laughs> we are for sure. Millennials, we, man. I know yeah. it, man. I'm sorry. I hate it. Um, but I do agree. It's, I think I think I, I think, like I I love the name name obviously, but Chris Carter and, and Randy Moss is yeah. is my personal favorite. Uh, but yeah, I, I can definitely see that. I've watched a lot of old old film uh, of the NFL, and they were beastly. There's so many, there really are. Um, all right, Denard, I want to see uh, get you get your uh, opinion on this too. Where who is a sleeper right now? Maybe a guy we're not talking about or haven't spoken about at all tonight. Um, sleeper to make the roster. A sleeper to make the roster this year. Man, that's that's tough because I, I haven't seen all of the undrafted free agents. We haven't got a lot of that. One guy. You put me on the spot on that one. And I tell you this. Let me see. That one guy. It's it's early, too. I mean, we're just a week and a half in the training. Yeah. Game. I haven't seen any preseason ball yet. It could be very early to ask you that, so I do apologize. But I didn't know if you no. had a guy in mind that you have been watching or, or thinking about um, in particular. Oh, I take that back. You know what? Great answer. So, we know last year they drafted Chris Jackson, right? Yeah. The seventh round out of Marshall. Ooh. Played great when he was called up on. I think I know where you're going. But, yeah. And then Breon Borders. And you, so, now you went out. You got Janoris Jenkins and Cam. So I've been following the uh, secondary a lot because they've made a lot of changes. But when you talk about you bring in Janoris, you you draft Caleb, the 22nd pick in the first round. Then Caleb from, I mean, Christian Fulton from last year. And then you got Elijah Molden. Unfortunately, there's going to, I don't know how many corners they're going to carry into the season. So there might be a battle between Chris Jackson and Breon Borders. Uh, for that last spot, like you know, for that cornerback position. And what I'm going to say about this, that that pick might come down to who can play special teams and Coach yeah. Craig Ackerman. So he might have to make a decision based on both of these players' ability to play special teams. So that's a battle with camp. And that's just the way the league is. It's all about competition. But I'm going to watch these two because they're both young but you also bring in so many experienced players and then you draft two guys and, you know, two really good corners that you're expecting to play early. It might come down to coach Craig Ackerman making that decision between Chris and Breon. And I remember there was a lot of talk last year about Chris Jackson's versatility and that he could also play safety if needed. So 
uh, that might play in as well. You know, yes. the, the ability to play all five positions in the in the defensive backfield. Uh, that's a that's a really good really good point. And it didn't help with them drafting Elijah Molden because he can play yeah. corner, safety, yeah. dime, linebacker, great special team player out of Washington. You know, so it's just so much competition in the back half. Yeah. It might come down to Coach Craig Ackerman. And as they always say, make sure you get to be real tight, really good friends with the special team coach if you want a job at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way Bre it works. Breon Borders was a guy we talked about a lot last year. Just I, I, He just looks like a physical specimen out there. He's very big, yeah. uh, long-armed. Um, I was always a big fan of him, so I would love to see him back. But you're right, it's a, it's a tough um, – you know, it's a good secondary. You know, a lot that, of guys. That three-game stretch, I think it was three games that Breon had last year, looked oh, dominant. Amazing, yeah. Uh, he was fantastic. And if, if he can, like you were talking about earlier, if he can build that consistency and do that over the – I mean, this is a guy that could end up earning a starting role at some I point, agree. you know? I and totally you, agree with you. And then you got a guy like Matias Farley who came in from the Jets. Uh, yeah. He was a special yes. teams ace. Uh, does Brady Breeze make the roster? Things like that. Yeah. So, they got decisions. And uh, it's going to be fun to kind of watch these next few weeks and preseason to kind of who plays and sticks out um, the most. So um, I'm excited for it for sure. Denard, I have uh, I have one more question for you. Okay. Uh, going back uh, to the Titans Super Bowl run, what is your favorite memory from that season? My favorite memory would be that year. That was a really fun year. Those last two years that I was there, uh, I hated to leave Nashville. I didn't want to go because of the last, well, the all four years was great, but that run to the Super Bowl was special because everything was rotting uh, on, on that year. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but Coach Fisher even said it, you know, uh, his job was, <laughs> it was a jeopardy. We had to win that year. I think it was like Super Bowl or bust. Wow. And it was tough, but you know what? We really found ourselves for two years, we would lose games that we should have won. And that was tough. We were inconsistent for two years because we were young. We were inexperienced and we didn't know how to win. We had great veteran leadership in Bruce Matthews, Blaine Bishop, Marcus Robertson. We had a mixture of young players and veterans. The veterans took over. And they took the young guys under their wings and they said, this is how it's supposed to get done. And we had to go through uh, a tough Jacksonville team that was, they were the favorite to win the Super Bowl that year. And we end up beating them three times. And I'm going to say this yeah. uh, for the AFC championship game. A lot of people don't know this, but, and I, and I joke about this all the time. Our mindset going into that game was, I thought we were going to get killed. I really did. I thought they were going to smash us because they played Miami uh, yeah. prior to playing us and they beat Miami like 66 to 10. And <laughs> watching that film, it was like, uh-oh, they're mad. And then we got to go to Jacksonville. And then Coach Fisher comes out and says, I don't know what he was thinking about playing in Jacksonville. For us, it's like playing a home game. And that really, when we got in their mind, I think that was why we won the game because they were out there trying to pummel us rather than play. And our thing was, we thought, well, you know what? Our mentality, we're going to get, listen, we might get beat anyway. There's nobody in the NFL that beats a team three times in a row in a year. That don't happen. Right. And we're going to go up there in a hostile environment 
those fans, they hate us. They can't stand Tennessee. And those guys do not like us. It was a, you know, they just can stand the sight of us because they, the year prior in 98, uh, we went down there and beat them when if they would have beat us, they would have won the AFC Central. So we end up messing up their season that year. So just to win in an environment that we really didn't have the mindset going in to win, we were just going to go in and just say, listen, let's just play sandlot football. Let's play like we played when we were kids. We have nothing to lose. Nobody is betting on the Titans but us. And a lot of guys, even in our locker room, was like, you know what? I don't know if we can do it. So let's just go play. And we did. And we end up going in there, just like Coach Fisher said, they're going to come out. They're going to take We're going to take their early blow and they're going to just run out of fuel. And that's exactly what they did. That's awesome. To be able to live that that season again would be amazing. Yeah, Do you yeah, remember? I wouldn't want to play that game again because those guys, <laughs> I'm telling you, when we walked into that stadium, it was like people had forks and yeah. knives and they was ready to carve us up. And I mean, we just, you know what? We just didn't have any pressure on us. We yeah. figured, you know what? We've already played the toughest game we're going to play when we play Buffalo. Mm -hmm. That's who we were afraid of. And so we, we were not afraid of Jacksonville because our thing was we've already beaten them twice. We're, we're not even expecting to winning, winning, this, winning this game. We just went out there and just play like we were playing in the streets, like, a, like kids. And we just had fun and we did it. Do you remember exactly where you were when the Music City Miracle happened? Yes, I was on the bench because I was thinking, okay, this is not going to be good. We're hosting a game here at home. We're about to lose to a team. And I knew that game against Buffalo was going to be, it was going to come down to the last play of the game. I wasn't anticipating that happen. I basically was getting ready for the offseason, getting out because I didn't have a really good game. I felt like I was the one that kind of gave up a few of the passes um, that they were able to make and kind of to keep the first, I mean, to keep uh, the drives going. So I was a little disappointed in myself. And, you know, we just, I don't know, that game right there, it was so surreal. Like, it was like, you know what we want, let's get out of here and go. So that's, that was our mentality was just, let's get out of here before the referees change their mind. That's awesome. That's so cool. And I mean, it's kind of on a positive note. I mean, I know you said you're nervous about Jacksonville, but the good thing is, I mean, y'all kicked their ass and they yeah. weren't even close. Yeah. But you know what? It's, it's like, you know, you ever have the mentality, like I have nothing to lose. Yeah. That's the sure. way we played. And you know, the, the difference between that game and the Buffalo game is we went into that game all tight, not playing like we've been playing all year, like loose, feeling good. Let's just go out and have fun. Yeah. And I think sometimes as players, we forget that it's all about, it's just a game, no matter how much, uh, no, how, no matter how much pressure is put on you at the end of the day, it's just having fun. And when you do that, that's really where you find your success in this game. You, when you see guys that are successful, like Tom Brady, you can't tell me that he's not having fun at 43, yeah. 44 years old. He's still enjoying himself. And that's what it's about. Forget about your critics. Just play like you're a kid. I mean, it's a bunch of grown men playing a kid's game. I love it. Well, then all, we definitely want to have you on again, man, when the season, you know, starts and, and we can kind of have some, some actual football to talk about. But we appreciate your time and, and uh, your knowledge of the, you know, the game and, and kind of spend some time with us tonight. 
Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. I had, I had a blast, man. I really I appreciate it. We appreciate you. Um, again, make sure you follow Denard on Twitter at Denard underscore Walker. And make sure you listen to his podcast as well. Um, the Believe Titans podcast um, gets you guys Apple, Apple podcast, Spotify, where you guys located at. Yeah, you got to talk to David about all that. Okay, all right. David we'll Hudson, that's the co-host. Right, yeah, we cool. on Apple. Yeah, you can go there. You can find us. And uh, uh, me and David Hudson, we just chop it up. And he comes from the analytics. He's a University of Tennessee guy, so he's already got the strike against him when we're doing our podcast. I hear you. But we just have fun. I love him to death, man. That's awesome. Very yeah, cool. there's some. I've, I've checked out quite a few episodes. There's some some really good insight from from them. Make sure you check it out. Awesome. Well, Denal, we always end these episodes with just, uh, you know, two simple words, just a simple tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up, man.